Thank you for listening to Fearless LA. We believe that where love is greater, fear is less. Tune in today to hear a life-changing message from our lead pastor, Jeremy Johnson. Well, hey, before I preach uh, today, I just want to take a moment uh, to address uh, what's going on in our world. And uh, I just want to make a statement to this church and to everyone that hears this. Uh, racism is not of the kingdom. And we do not stand with racism. We do not stand with, with what's happening in our world. And uh, we're not okay with it. Jesus is not okay with it. You shouldn't be okay with it. Right? God has, God has made us sisters and brothers for a reason. And, uh, you know, I think something unique is that people will say God doesn't see color. And I think that's the weirdest thing anyone's ever said because did, did, he, make, did he do an accident? Like, well, how, how did he make color if he didn't see color? Why did he make us colorful? And I, I think that the reality is, is God doesn't see color as man sees color. He, he sees beauty when he sees color. I mean, there's so much. How many can attest that there's been something greater that's been deposited in your life because you have friends that are different than you on all ends of the spectrum? Just a couple of you, man, my life has been made rich and full because, because my God has made some beautiful people. I see the color that God has created a lot like Joseph's coat of many colors, that we are knit together, that we are multifabricated, that, that God took us from different places and different, different cultures and different ethnicities, and he put us together, male and female, son and daughter. And what's happening in our world right now, me and my wife were watching that video that was put out, and we just started, we just teared up because, I mean, that is so hard to watch, so hateful. To see and so um, you know today we just wanted to take a moment I want to read you a couple things it's kind of you know it's in, in these times it's like what do we do uh, you know there there are there are times to be silent and there are times to be vocal and right now is a time to be vocal and uh, I, I just want to read you something in 2nd Timothy uh, just in case you didn't know the Bible actually talked that that we're gonna come into these kind of days so uh, it, it's, it shares with us that so we can be ready for what's coming ready for what's coming to the church because we are to be the light in a dark place we're not here to get mad at darkness because darkness doesn't know it's dark and it's just being who it is right we're, we're angry at darkness it's time we become the light we be the salt and the light of the world do we have any of those lights in the room today second second timothy uh chapter two verse or chapter three verse number one says mark this so god's telling you hey mark this down put it on your calendars this is happening. Mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. Anybody can attest that Jesus was right. Okay. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves. They will be lovers of money. They will be boastful. They will be proud. They will be abusive. They will be disobedient to their parents. I can attest to that one. They will be ungrateful. <laughs> My son is having a hard time with that one. He's living out that calendar right there. Uh, they will be ungrateful. They will be unholy. They will be without love. They will be unforgiving. They will be slanderous. Without self-control, they will be brutal. They will not be lovers of good, but treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Now watch this. They will have a form of godliness, but deny its power. Have nothing to do with them. Now, 
when we read that, we have to understand this is not talking about the world. At first we're like, yeah, the world is just like that. God's actually talking about the church. In the last days, the church is going to look like this. The church is going to be divided. The church is going to be angry. The church is... And then he said, I don't even need to tell you about the world. If the church is like that, the world is going to be even more. He said, and here's why the church is going to be like this. Because they have a form of godliness. But they deny the power for it to change their lives. Look, I don't know about you, but I need the power of God daily so I don't become these things. I need the power of God daily. And then if, 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 if it wasn't clear enough, in verse 7, he says this. He says, uh, he says, always learning but never able to acknowledge the truth. Look, we cannot come into this room and continue to learn and not acknowledge the truth for us. God is not going to first reveal truth to us about others. He's first going to reveal truth to us about himself. Then truth to us about us. Then he'll reveal the truth about others. Uh, I always uh, think these thoughts uh, because, you know, people will say, was Jesus an activist? Well, sometimes he was, sometimes he wasn't. There are moments where Jesus didn't come to up overthrow the government. Uh, really, there were moments uh, where, where Jesus' people, the Jewish people, actually that's why they killed Jesus because they wanted him to go protest where they were protesting. They wanted him to overthrow the government and take over the kingdom and establish his kingdom right there where they're at. And so they were angry and frustrated with Jesus. And Jesus didn't operate off of man's agenda. He operated off of the Father's agenda. But there were also times where Jesus did contrary to what was happening in society. It was not society, uh, correct in society to eat with prostitutes. And it was not okay with to have a table with sinners and Jesus said look all the Jewish people that I've invited to this table they have not come so here's what I want you to do I want you to go out to the highways and the byways and I want you to invite the lame the broken the maimed into this house so there were moments in Jesus's time it was not okay to have women sit next to you at the table or, or the woman who broke the alabaster bottle over Jesus feet that was not okay the religious people were confronting Jesus over that and Jesus was saying no no I'm going to do my father's will he was constantly connected to the father was Jesus an activist no he was activated on heaven's realm on heaven's he was connected to heaven and that activation he then activated on earth what heaven was telling him to do. Watch this. I want to read you more. So, so when do we act and when do we not act? When the Holy Spirit speaks to you, you step out. When he doesn't, you remain silent. Right? Okay. Look at this. Uh, verse, uh, let's go to Matthew chapter 10. Uh, verse number 21. Brother will betray brother to death and father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. You will be hated by everyone because of me. But the one who stands firm to the end will be safe. When you are persecuted in one place, flee to another. Truly I tell you, you will not finish going through the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. Then watch this. So do not be afraid of them, for there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed. So everything that's going on, look, look whatever's going on with the people in darkness... They will answer to Jesus for what they've done. There is nothing concealed. No one's hiding anything from God or hiding 
what will be made known. Now watch this. This is my favorite part. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What you whisper in the ear, what I whisper in your ear, proclaim from the rooftops. Do not be afraid of those who can kill the body, but for those who can kill the soul. Now later, it says, Jesus says, do not suppose I have come to bring peace on the earth. So, so don't just suppose that in every situation, I want what you want. He says, I want you to have one ear to the earth and two ears to heaven, right? I want you, I want you, to, I want you to put your focus on heaven. He said, whatever I speak to you in the midnight, I want you to speak in the daylight. Whatever I whisper to you, the problem with Christianity today is we're speaking stuff in the light and we've never heard stuff whispered in the, in the midnight. That causes the same hate in the church that is outside the church because we have a form of godliness we look like we're godly we look like we're rock, walking with justice but we're not having the power that is transforming us to transform others amen amen so one of my heroes is martin luther king amazing he was a pastor he he let go of his church to be an activist but he wasn't just an activist he was activating kingdom principles on earth and therefore we still talk about that legend today i we know about martin luther's activist life but do you know about his prayer life because he prayed more than he activated because he was activated from heaven's side and this today is an injustice that is happening in our nation called racism and we are not going to stand with it and we have heard heaven's opinion on it and heaven sees us as beautifully and wonderfully made and heaven sees us fearfully made when people are killing people we are not okay with that we do not stand with the racism that's happening in our nation and we do not stand with it in the church we are going to be one body one come on if you're with me come on give heaven Amen. Well, I want to preach to you for a few moments. Uh, I've entitled this message, um, I'll Take It, God's Size. When it comes to God's blessings, when it comes to God's provision, when it comes to God in our life, we don't, we don't want a small percentage of Him. We, we want the fullness of what God has for us. We don't want to live a life where we get a little bit of God or we, we pull through the drive-thru and leave when we could have asked for more because the meal's already been paid for by the car in front of you and he, the, net, the driver of that car was named Jesus and he paid the price so you could get it supersized and guys this is beyond supersized this is God-sized Isaiah uh, chapter 54 I'm going to read the NIV version first and, uh, and then we'll read a message version which I like how it puts it it says enlarge the place of your tent. Turn, turn to your neighbor and say, enlarge. Come on, get large. Go large. Come on. God's size is large. Enlarge. God said if you're going to have a God size, you're going to have to enlarge it. You're going to have to think bigger. You have to dream bigger. You're going to have to expand. You have to enlarge because I don't fit in small containers. Do not put me in a box because I am jack out of the box. I don't fit in boxes I don't fit in denominational lines. I don't fit in programs. I don't fit in patterns. I am God. I'm not a monument. I am a moving God. I am a movement. Look, come on, say enlarge. Enlarge the place of your tent. Enlarge the place you've been living. Then it says stretch. Somebody say stretch. Come on, say breathe. Stretch. Shake. Let it go. That's a rap song. Stretch. 
Stretch. Touch your neighbor and just stretch just a little bit. Come on, touch your neighbor next to you. Say stretch, man. If you're going to have a God size, you have to stretch a bit. Come on, some of you ain't doing that. Just push that person that ain't doing it. Come on, say the preacher making me doing stuff. Come on, this is, this is going to be a workout for you this morning. Come on, you're going to preach with me. Come on, stretch. Come on, get a good stretch. Some of y'all, some of you stand up and just get those bones working a little bit. Come on, come on, just stretch. Come on, some of y'all, some of y'all haven't done that for years. Stretch the tent curtains. Stretch the curtains of your house. He keeps saying tent. I just want to remind you that this house we live in is a tent. Don't decorate it too much because it's just a tent. Just a dwelling place. Don't get too caught up in the tent that you miss that it's a tent. He said, hey, hey, enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Then he says, do not hold back. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't hold back. Stop holding back. What are you waiting for? Some of you are waiting too long, waiting to serve, waiting to walk with God. People waiting to be saved. I'm like, wait until God fixes me up first. I'm like, dude, this is a hospital. Since when's the last time you went to the ER room? Perfect. You come in broken and I'm dying. Somebody help me. I'm bleeding. Can anybody save me? If you're that way, you've come to the perfect place. Don't hold back. When are you waiting to give like God's called you to give? When are you waiting to lay down your life like God's calling you to lay down your life? If you want to have the supersized God, if you want to have God-sized life, you got to not hold back. Come on. Someone say, spare no expense, man. Don't hold back. What are you waiting for? Jump. The water is awesome. We have too many Christians sitting on the side of the pool with their floaties on. Take your floaties off, God. Taught you how to swim a long time ago. Dive in. The water's awesome. Saying yes to Jesus is awesome. It's the best life. Oh, man, I could imagine if I would have said no. The life, the lame life I would have been living to this day. But at 17 years old, I said yes to Jesus. And every day I just keep saying yes to Jesus. And I say it with a no holds bar kind of attitude. I'm not holding back. Come on. If you've been holding back, what are you waiting for? You only have one life. The funny thing is many times in our life, we just prepare for where we're at instead of for where we believe God has taken us. So if I was God, I would kind of say, do you actually believe you're going to where I'm taking you? You're not even packing for it. You're not even preparing for it. You're not even enlarging for it. Look, if you want to have more, you better start clearing some stuff out. Some people say, man, I want to be a pastor. Well, we'll start pastoring yourself. You have to do that for the rest of your life, whether you have people or not. I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to be a businessman. But you're not taking care of your finances. Paul says this. Sometimes, sometimes we need miracles and sometimes we need management. I'll smile because that was pretty, that was, that was just dropping some bombs on you and I don't want you to hate on me, but sometimes we need miracles and sometimes, sometimes we're praying for miracles when God says, no, you just need management. You just need to, we're praying, God, help my finances, help my finances, help my finances, help my finances. God goes, no, no, tithe. Then give above and beyond your tithe. Then don't spend more than you make. 
It's called management. Right? And sometimes we need a miracle and we, we try to manage it. That's what I do with church planning. I'll just manage this, get five more programs, readjust some things. And God goes, no, no, this, you can't manage this thing. This thing is bigger than your management. I need you to get into my prayer closet and you need to call down a miracle. See, sometimes we, we try to manage things that are miracles. And sometimes we try to believe for miracles that God just needs more management. We're like, God, heal my health. God's like, no, quit eating burgers at 12 midnight. Rebuke the enemy. No, you need to rebuke the fork and the spoon, right? Sometimes we need management. Sometimes we need a miracle. But either way, we need to prepare for where we're going. We need to clear the ground and say, God, I'm not packing for where I'm at. I'm packing for where I'm going. Some of you, some of you guys want a wife that's fit and in shape, and you're in shape but a different shape. And I just, I only like girls that are like this. Well, dude, you're ain't like that. <laughs> Bro, are you, are you preparing for where you're at or preparing for where you're going? Look, what do you want? You got, if you want to go there, you got to start packing like you believe you're getting on the plane. That's called faith. I'm not preaching to you where you're at. I came to pack, I came with a suitcase full of where you're going. I'm preaching to where you're going, not where you're at. I'm not preaching to what you're stuck in. I'm preaching to what you're called to. Enlarge. Someone say enlarge. Come on, say I like enlarge. God's not about small. Quit trying to put God in a box. He says, I need some elbow room. He's like that person on the plane. You know that middle aisle thing right there? That they call it the armrest. You ever been on a plane for a long time? They got the armrest. They only give you one armrest for two people. You just wait until they get up to go to the bathroom so you can stop sitting like this. So you can actually, like when they come back, you're just like asleep on it, you know, just so they. God's saying, look, I need some room. I'm, I'm tired of you crowding me in these little seats. Give me some room. If you got to get out of the way, get out of the way. But I need you to enlarge some things. You keep wanting a God-sized dream without God-sized space. I need some space in your life. Look, look God, God cannot work in your cluttered heart. Love will not live in there with fear. We can't be cluttered with hate, anger, rage, malice, unforgiveness. And God goes, man, I want to get in there, but there's no room in the tent. I need you to clear some room, baby. You've been decorating this thing with all the wrong stuff. I need you to move some stuff out of the way. God, I want you in my life. No, you don't. You want stuff. I want to get the stuff out of the way. God says, give me some elbow room. You say, why are you saying this? Because God's irritated. He's like, if you just give me some room to work with. Can I tell you this? This life is but a tent. This life, my life, my 401k, my house, someone else will live in my house. Oh, man, that stinks. Someone else will drive my car if it lasts that long. Someone else will live in the fruition of my dreams I've worked so hard and labored to see come to pass. Yeah, Steve Jobs is no longer using the iPhone. This life is but a tent in comparison to the glory that God has. Be careful at hanging too many pictures in the tent. Be careful at decorating the tent so nice that when God says, I got a home for you, you say, no, God, 
I'm cool with the tent. But God says, if you're going to live in a tent, don't live in a small one. Don't, don't, don't. <laughs> That's real. Get like an eight-man tent. Get like double walls. Get some bunk beds in there. He says, enlarge the place of your tent. In other words, your tent has not changed yet. Your situation has not changed yet. But clear some room around your tent. I want you to chop down the weeds that, that are kind of overgrown there. I know you don't need it, that space yet. But I want you to prepare not for where you're at, but for where I'm taking you. Now, some of you are excited about that. Some of you aren't because you still don't get it that God wants to take you somewhere. You've settled for life as it is. Life as you have it. Life, you've, you've packed and you live out of the suitcase of now. But, but every time I get on a plane, there is one thing I do. I check the weather of where I'm going. Because although L.A. is my world, when I leave L.A., the world is bigger than where I'm at. There may be some zones or some continents that I could travel to that may not be in summer. They may be in winter. There's been times where I've left L.A. and gone to Australia as they're in winter and walked off the plane into cold. When I went to Korea, it was freezing. We were hot. My friends were swimming. My kids were bathing in the sun. And I'm like, I had to buy three more jackets because I didn't pack for where I was going. I don't want you to get to where God's sending you and you to not be prepared. Because if we believe he's taking us from glory to glory to glory, if you actually believe the dreams, some of you ought to start preparing your speech for the Grammys. Some of you ought to start preparing how you sign your name for the checks you'll write to the people you'll employ. Some of you ought to start preparing for where you're going, not for where you're at. My Bible says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing. Not he who finds a woman or a girl or a hottie. Not he who swipes right. He who finds a wife, why? Because if you find a girl, you haven't found a good thing. If you find a wife, well, she's not married yet, but, but that's going to be a wife. you got to be a wife before you get married. And let's just put it the other way. She who finds a husband finds a good thing. Amen? We ain't looking for boys, right? We're looking for men. I'm kidding. <laughs> Prepare for where you're going. Where are you going? CEO? Did you know that CEOs read 52 books a year? What you reading for where you're going? We just want to show up there one day and be cold when we get there? No, no. I'm going to prepare for where God's taking me. I'm not preaching to a church of 400 right now. I'm preaching to a church that's going to shake the foundations of Los Angeles because I'm preparing. Look, some of you aren't getting it. I'm not preaching for where you're at. I know this is going over your head. I'm preaching to the future you. I'm talking to the you of next year. I'm talking to the... Somebody say, I'm going somewhere. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch out the tent curtains. Why? God says, open the curtains. Let the sun in. 
Then he says, lengthen your cords. Lengthen what you got. Don't throw away what you have. Add to it. Many of us keep throwing away where God's brought us from because we're not there anymore. But he said, no, no, don't throw away the cords. That's a waste. Take your testimony. Take your test. And we're going to add to it now. We're going to add the enemy meant it for evil. We're going to add good to it. Come on, we're going we're gonna to use it for power. The enemy meant these things to kill you, but now we're going to add to it. Come on, so lengthen your cords. Add to the cords that you already have. Add to your story. Your story doesn't end there. Your story doesn't end where you used to be. Your story doesn't end with your past abuse. Your story doesn't end with rejection. Rejection is just a part of the story. Come on, add to your cords. Lengthen your cords. For a God-sized life, you're going to have to add to what you got. Don't throw it away. Add to it. Touch your neighbor and say, add to it. Add to it. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. Strengthen what you have. I'm already strong. No, no, no. Strengthen what you have. Look, look. Here's the deal. We're not, we're not packing for where we're at. We're packing for where we're going. We're not strengthening for where we're at. We're strengthening for where we're going. We have to strengthen the stakes and lengthen the cords because God is about to enlarge the tent. It's not about the size of the tent we have now because the strength, the stakes are strong enough for what we have now. But if you want a God-sized life, you're going to have to strengthen even the strong places you have. Stop worrying about strengthening your weaknesses. Start strengthening your strengths. We keep working on our weaknesses. No, no. God's going God's to get glory in your weakness. He says, strengthen your stakes. Your stakes were the place of strength. So add strength to the strength. If, if, you have, if you're good at something, don't just be good at it because the Holy Spirit gave you that gift. I could get up here and talk without studying. I'm good at it. Not because I'm good at it, because God gave me that strength. Because of the years of studying, I could get up here and open the Bible and God could give me something. But I spent eight hours two days ago reading the word and rereading it and opening commentaries and praying and saying, God, show me more from this scripture I've already preached a hundred times because I am strengthening my strength. I wonder what God could do if you strengthen what he already made strong. I wonder what could happen if you start working on the gift that you already have. Maybe you have the gift of ministration in this room. What if you started reading books about how to make it stronger? What if you had the gift of prophesying in this room and you started listening to messages and started looking at scriptures on how to prophesy greater? What if God has called you to do more than you did last year? What if the gift is supposed to expand? What if you've been great at one business but God wants to make you an overseer of many? What if you've just overseen yourself and God wants to make you a leader of hundreds? You might have to strengthen the gift of God inside of you. This is what the Bible says, fan the flame of the gift of God inside of you. Don't just let the flame burn in and burn out. Keep fanning the flame. I don't know why we're taking so long on this point, but I really feel like God is saying something right here. Some of you have, have just walked in your strength because it's just what you do. But I'm encouraging you today. You actually have to develop and take it beyond what God gave you. God is not pleased with you just giving back to him the talents he gave you. I gave you 10. What would you do with it? I multiplied it. I tripled it. I doubled it. God, I took what you gave me, 
And, I, and I, look, this thing is not, if, if we have faith without works, then our faith is dead. We also have to work in the faith that he gave us. So I dare you to start becoming an expert in the field God has put you in. God is not just a God of power. He is a God of excellence. The good thing about excellence is it's different than relevance. I hate the word relevant. I like the magazine. I just don't like the word. Why? Because relevant means to keep up with the person next to you. To be one step ahead. So it puts every believer in competition with their brothers and sisters, which is the basics for all the hate that we see in our world right now. We are not trying to be relevant. We are not trying to keep up with the world. We're not trying to keep up with our brother. We are in a solo race, baby. There is no one else in the race of me. This is not a competition. This is an assignment. For the people in the Bible, Moses was not looking at the people around him going, man, check out the Instagram of, of that dude or check out the, the, the church of that guy. or God, I don't know, a million? Maybe it should be two million people that I'm setting out of, out of slavery. There was no competition. It was an assignment. This is my call. But excellence is beyond competition. It speaks of an assignment. Wow. To be excellent, you can be excellent on any level. When we had this church, example, we had this church on a beach with seven people. Fearless LA was on a beach with seven people and a karaoke mic we bought at Costco that had a cool little disco ball thing. Every once in a while, we turn it on when we want to go really out there so we can have a lights in our church. I said, man, we got lights in our church. We got our own soundboard. We, we got our own fire. Man, we got the fire of the Holy Ghost, the campfire. We got refreshments after the s'mores. Come on, we, we had tables. Ben Murdy, stand up, Ben. You know Ben Murdy's first job in Fearless LA? He is the worship pastor now. You know what his first job was? The wind blocker. <laughs> Seriously. We were on the beach and the fire kept going out. We kept getting cold. So I said, Ben, I need you to go to, go to Home Depot. Here's a credit card. You can spend no more than $20. I need you to invent a way to block the wind on the beach so we could have revival on that beach. And Ben came up with a way. I think it was what got, got us kicked off the beach because we started constructing fences on the beach to block the wind. But for two Two services, that wind blocker, you killed it, bro. Come on. That is what excellence looks like. You can be excellent on any level. You don't have to have all this stuff to represent your God. Representing your God might be taking a shepherd boy and using a stone to kill a giant. Representing your God might be taking a staff and splitting seas. It's not about what you have. It's about using what you have with the excellence and power of God, and God will give you more. We're here today. When we got into this, church, this building, I believe we actually weren't as excellent as we were on the beach at first. Even though we had more relevance, we didn't have as much excellence because we didn't understand how to use all this stuff yet. Some of you are praying for more, and you haven't become excellent on the level you're in. We had to become excellent on the beach, and then excellent in the coffee shop, then excellent in the, in the warehouse, 
before God would ever make us the ability to be excellent in the nightclub. If we would have went straight from the beach to the nightclub, we wouldn't have been prepared for the stretch that was coming to fit into this God-sized dream. We wouldn't have represented our God in excellence. We would have become competitive in relevance and missed. When we got into this place, we started feverishly trying to learn how to run these lights. We hired the club lighting guy because we couldn't figure out the lights. We said, okay, let's just hire someone who knows what they're doing so we could be excellent on this level. We got the sound system. We set it up. We acute it. We brought people in from Jesus culture to help with, with our sound. We, we did everything we could to say, God, we want to represent you in excellence, not just relevance. Come on. Then he says, strengthen your strengths. Then he says, for you will. Somebody say will. will. Spread out. Come on, somebody say spread out. out. To the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. Do not be afraid. You will not be put to shame. Do not fear. Disgrace. For you will not be humiliated. You know why God's saying that? Because you thought those thoughts. As God said, there's more for you this year. But what if it fails? What if it doesn't work out? What if they mock me? What if I step out and God doesn't show up? And God said, I'm just preparing you early. Do not fear. Do not be afraid. You will not be put to shame. I'm not going to leave you hanging, baby. Whatever I call to do, I will provide for you when I call it. Amen? You will forget the shame of your youth. You'll forget the failures you had last year. How many guys would think that would be a good idea to forget one day that business that failed? How many guys think it would be a good idea that one day you actually have amnesia from the relationships that hurt you? What if what's in front of you is so good that it will make you forget the hurt of your past? And remember no more the reproach of your widowhood. I want to read the message version, then then we'll end with this. Sing... O barren woman who has never had a baby. If you were barren in that time and day and age, it was uh, women were not treated very good. But the only women that were treated good were the women that were having babies. Because it was helping the men produce more for their generation. So the women that weren't having babies, they felt purposeless. They felt pointless. So God comes to the barren woman, the woman that cannot produce an offspring, and says, I know your husband rejects you i know your your nation rejects you i know the other ladies reject you but i've called you and i've accepted you and in the place of rejection i want you to sing like you have a baby in the place of your dreams being dead in the place of you having no hopes in the place of you having no aspirations i want you to sing like you are the person that has all the dreams i want you to sing like it's already here I want you, in other words, I want you to worship like he's on the throne. Even though you feel like he forgot you and left the throne. Then he says, fill the air with your song. I love that. Fill the stank, nasty air. The dead air. Have you ever been into a room or a situation where there's dead air? You can cut the tension with a knife. Like this is awkward here. It's awkward around you when we start talking about relationships. It's awkward around you when we stop talking about your hurt. Your worship will change the atmosphere of the air. Who's ready for the air of hate to be sucked out of your life? The air 
of anger to be sucked out of your life, the air of rejection to be sucked out of your life, the air of the orphan spirit to be sucked out of your life. Fill the air with your song. Stop blaming the air for being rotten. It's, it's inside of us to change the air. Come on, prophesy to these dry bones. Come on, sing where you, where you should be angry. Come on, worship where you should be afraid. Come on, come on. In other words, worship with your wounds. Dance in your drought. Praise in your problems. You have never experienced childbirth. You're ending up in the end with far more children than all those who are childbearing women. He said, I'm going to do it a new way through you. God says, so clear the lots of ground for your tents. Make lots of room. Make your tents large. Spread out. Think big. Use plenty of rope. Drive the tent pegs in deep. You're going to need lots of elbow room for your growing family. You're going to take over whole nations. You're going to resettle abandoned cities. Don't be afraid. You're not going to be embarrassed. Don't hold back. You're not going to become up short. You'll forget about the, all the humiliations of your youth. Wow. Enlarge, stretch, lengthen, and strengthen. Enlarge, stretch, lengthen, and strengthen. I want to end with this. I have a picture of a, a, a white screen with a black dot. Can you put that up? What do you see? The black dot. That's what we all see. Whatever your focus is will become your world. There's a lot more than a black dot on this screen. But that's all you see. God, God wants you to, he wants to stretch you for a second because he's actually calling you not to see what there is, to see what could be. He's calling you to prophesy over, over the light till it swallows up the dark. He's calling you to focus right now. I know the black dot is there, but the black dot is small. I know the sickness is there, but what about all the health that God has given you in the rest of your body? I know there's hate in our world, but what about all the love that God is spurring in this room? I, I know there's relationships that have hurt you, but what about all the ones? God says, whatever is lovely, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is just, think on these things. Why? Because whatever a man thinketh, so he is. We have been trained to focus on the hurt. We've been trained. We've been trained to run from hurt, from pain. We were taught hate. We were taught rage. We were taught anger. We were taught get what you can get. We were taught me, myself, and I. But God birthed us in love. God. Come on, we got to retrain our minds. We got to train our thoughts. We've we got to stretch right now. We've got to stretch to what God is doing. What is God doing in your life? I know there are things you can tell me what God isn't doing. But what is God up to on the earth? This is the greatest day to be the church. We're done blaming darkness for being dark. It's time we become the light. It's time we shine our light bright. It's time we become the church. The church is not on the outside. The world keeps trying to make you small, minuscule. Trying to say, oh, the church is not relevant. No, no, we're not relevant. We're excellent and we're powerful. And we are here to change the story. We're here to be the light in a dark place. We're not going to be mad at darkness. 
Darkness is dark because it's blind. It's dark. It's being who it is. You know what's crazy? There was a young man that would come to our church and he would wear this shirt. It says, fire the chief police in L.A. And I saw that and something jumped in my spirit and God said, talk to him. And I said, so do you think that's a good idea? He said, it's a great idea. Have you heard all the stuff he's done? He began to list all the things he's done. I said, well, yeah, that does sound like a good idea. But I'm not sure if it's a God idea. Sometimes good ideas are not God ideas. I said, so do you think his children, whoever they are, deserve to be in poverty because their dad was an idiot? I said, and do you think Jesus only died for the perfect? Or did he die for him too? I said, so what would be a better t-shirt? I said, pray that the chief police of Los Angeles, whoever it was, get saved. If not, then you got to stop reading this Bible. You got to stop reading. You got to just close your ears and cover your eyes, cover your ears, because you would be the church that ran when Paul preached too. Because he was killing Christians. But God had a different plan. In our last church that we were in, there was a guy that ran security in our church, one of my favorite guys in the whole church. But he used to be the head, the, the protector of one of the heads of the KKK clan. His name was John. God transformed his life. God knocked him off his horse. Every Sunday he would be found in a prayer meeting with people of every color, every race. Come on, you tell me that Jesus is not real. When Jesus changes someone full of that kind of hate, come on, we, we got to start saying, God, I know there's darkness, but let the light swallow up the darkness. God, we pray for our nation, but Lord, come on. We got to be like Jesus on that cross. Jesus looked at the people that were killing him, and he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You know what my prayer sometimes is? You know, God, I forgive them because you're going to punish them. <laughs> and that feels good to pray that, but that's not how Jesus prayed. He didn't say, Father, I forgive them, now get them. He said, Father, forgive them. Actually, I'm asking Dad, not that I forgave them, because I already did, but that you would forgive them as well, because I know you're angry at what's happening right now. Father, forgive them, because... I don't want my death to be in vain because I died for them too. We're going to be activists, but we're going to activate from heaven's perspective, not from these flesh and bones that are filled with the same hate and anger that everybody else is filled. We're not focusing on the black dog. We're focusing on the power of God. The last thing I want to tell you is that God called you to stretch. Stretching is painful. If anybody tells you stretching is not painful, they're lying. When I used to do CrossFit with Rich, I got to get back in there. It's taken me a while to recover. Rich is a pastor at our church. He runs CrossFit. You can stand your feet all over this room. At the end, I said, "Bro, you're never stretching me." So I keep getting hurt. He goes, "Okay, you want me to stretch you?" I'm like, "Yeah, I'm thinking it's gonna be a nice, nice little yoga thing or something cute or something like that." And he hands me this kettlebell, this ball of cement. So put this on top of your leg. I mean, I'm like, dude, I can't even lift it. So he lifts it on top of my leg. It's crushing my leg, literally crushing my leg. And he's like, just move it around. I'm like, ah, I'm like crying. I'm like, dude, that was worse than the workout. Can we never stretch again? 
You know, before any, any runner enters a race, a good coach will, will, Matt, come here, will ask them to stretch before they run. A good coach will pull them aside and say, all right, before you ever run, the run, you're going to have, you're going to have body over mind. Your, your training is going to take over in the run and you're going to push yourself beyond where your mind knows it can go. It's going to happen. So before we get there, I'm going to stretch you for the future. You know what stretching does? Put it down. Stretching takes you beyond where you thought was humanly possible for a moment, for a moment. So when you get in the race, you won't get hurt or disqualified, therefore never achieving your finish line. God is stretching you. Some, some of you don't know why God's stretching you right now, while you're walking through little moments of pain right now. God is preparing you so that when you get in the race, you do not get disqualified and not finish what you started. Therefore, when we go through little moments of pain, we should start thanking the coach, not trying to get him out of our lives. Thank you. Ow, ow. Thank you. You're giving to the Lord. Ow, that hurts. It's hard to, it's hard to have a good attitude. I'm serving. Ouch, 6.30 a.m. That's a hard thing to do to come set up a church for people that never know that I did this. And we get, we get donuts. I don't even eat donuts. I'm gluten-free. Like, how's this going to work out? Ow. But yet you want to be a CEO of a company. Yeah, you want God to enlarge your, you, got, you want God to, to take you to Africa and see millions won to the Lord. Yeah, yeah, you want to be a soul winner. And, and God's saying, I'm just stretching. It's okay. It's just going to hurt for a moment. I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm trying to kill you. Trying to get you out of the way so the champion could arise. Come on, say, I want it God's size. Come on, you want it God's size in this room? We got to enlarge. We got to stretch. We got to lengthen. We got to strengthen. Come on, lift your hands all over this room. Come on, let's, let's not hold back in our worship. God, we just praise you right now. We give you our worship right now. Thank you for listening. If you have something that you need prayer for, we would love to pray for you. Visit fearlessla.com slash fearless TV to fill out a prayer request or find more information about Fearless Church.